When years of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who hear refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still ma'am. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. As Ron mentioned, the uh, several of the men are in Columbia, Illinois this morning. Actually, it's not Columbia, it's Belleville, but <coughs> it's south of Columbia. It never makes sense to me that Belleville, way up here, comes all the way down below Columbia, but it does. Anyhow, they're in the men's retreat this morning. They'll be back late tonight, and uh, we want to be in prayer for them. Uh, Victoria Reed and her family are with her mother this morning. Her mother's not doing well, and so we want to be in prayer for her also. And uh, then... Uh, I want to pray, be in prayer for Ron Beckett. Uh, continue to pray for him, if you would. Then 
Mrs. Richardson. Is she still in Crystal Oaks? She's still at Barnes? Oh, okay. She's at uh, Mercy Jefferson Regional, whatever. <coughs> Which is a good introduction to the message this morning because I'm going to preach on mercy. <laughs> at any rate, let's bow together in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Do it for the privilege of meeting together. There are some places this morning where the people are meeting, but they're doing so with the knowledge that they might very well die for having met together to worship you. We're grateful for the peace and the security and the liberty that you've given us. Dear Lord, we pray this morning for our president, our government leaders. Dear Lord, we recognize that your hand is at work in our country. It appears to us to be a hand of judgment. And dear Lord, we know we're, we deserve it. But we ask this morning that you would be gracious to us. Dear Lord, we pray this morning for each of these whose names have been mentioned, for Ron Beckett, for uh, uh, Victoria's mother, the Lord, for uh, the man who are uh, at the retreat, the Lord, for uh, Ron Beckett. Dear Lord, I know there are others who are not feeling well. I ask your blessings on them. I ask you to touch their bodies and accomplish your will in their lives in order that you might get the glory. And dear Lord, I ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and in our lives through this message. Dear Lord, speak the words through me that each heart needs to hear. Dear Lord, I just want to give you thanks in advance for what you're going to accomplish. And thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for your presence. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, a very familiar passage. Many of you may already know it, but if you'll take your Bible and turn there. Romans chapter 12, we'll begin in verse 1. And we're going to do things a little differently. <clears throat> I realize we are Baptists. Everybody knows how many Baptists it takes to change the light bulb. The answer to that question is, what? We're not changing. But lack of variety makes life a rut, okay? And a rut is a grave with the end knocked out of it, okay? I don't want to be in the rut. I wouldn't mind being in a grave because that means I'd be in heaven. But as long as I'm here, we can change things up a little bit. If you're not able to stand, you feel perfectly at ease remaining seating. But out of respect for the word of God, a book that is settled forever in heaven. I would ask you, to, those of you who can, to stand with me as we read. Read aloud with me, if you will. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you. You may be seated. 
The word beseech here is the word implore. Sometimes they use the word beg. Paul is saying, in light of what I told you in chapter 11, I would impress upon you the necessity of presenting your body a living sacrifice. Now, what did he say in chapter 11? We didn't read it. In chapter 11, he talks about the fact that when the Jews rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah, there in the first century, that God in his mercy opened the gospel to the Gentiles so that you and I could know about the Lord Jesus Christ and you and I could have a Savior and have hope of a home in heaven. It was just God's mercy that allowed us to be grafted in, he says, from the wild olive tree into the olive tree which represents Israel. And one of the mysteries is that Jews and Gentiles alike can know Jesus Christ and receive him as personal Savior and can spend eternity together with him. I started to say spend eternity in heaven with him, but we're not going to be in heaven all the time. <clears throat> After seven years, we're coming back to the earth. Having a new heaven and a new earth, new atmosphere, new surface. It's going to be wonderful. I can barely wait, you know. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you know Christmas is coming, but it takes forever to get here. That's the way I feel about the return of Christ. I was so disappointed he didn't come yesterday. It was the perfect day for it. Did you see how cloudy it was? He said he's, we're going to meet him in the clouds. And I thought, wow, man, this would be a great day. And they were so low, you wouldn't even have gone very far. <laughs> I mean, I know it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye, but wow, could have been there. And they got up this morning, sun's brightly shining, but there's cl enough clouds out there, you know. We could meet him. If he doesn't come today, then I'm going to look for him tomorrow. If he doesn't come tomorrow, I'm going to look for him the next day, and the next day, and the next day. He said, Brother Casey, do you think he can come at any time? For me. For me. Come for you at any time. We're just going to have to wait. But Paul says because we've been engrafted into the, tr the olive tree of Israel as believers. That he wants to implore us, beseech us. By the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. If you read through the book of Psalms, you'll discover over and over again, the Psalms say his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Let's look at a couple of passages this morning that talk about the mercy of God. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We see God's mercy demonstrated in Genesis chapter 22. When you find it, look at me. Okay. Good. Even if you can't see me, go ahead and look this direction. Okay. 
Genesis chapter 22. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moab. And wait a minute. We know that Abraham already had a son named What's his name? I forgot. Ishmael. Thank you. Wow. I was running down this little road of memory and my brain stumbled. <laughs> and I've discovered just this past week that they closed down the ATM to my memory bank. <laughs> I can neither make withdrawals or deposits. It's pretty sad. He said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Why did he say your only son? Because Isaac is the child of promise. Ishmael was born as a result of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar trying to accomplish God's will on their own. Trying to make God's promise come true without waiting on God to fulfill his promise. That is always a mistake. Let me repeat that. That is always a mistake. If God makes you a promise, you just wait on the promise. You just walk close to him. Stay close to him. I was in the grocery store the other day, and this little boy is riding in the cart, and his mother has to push this cart right down the center of the aisle because he wants something. And the reason I know he wants something is because he's asking for it over and over again. And the reason she's pushing that cart right down the center of the aisle is because he can't reach it if it's right in the middle. He can't reach stuff on the other side. He's trying. I watched him. I thought he's falling out of that thing one time because there's something he really wanted. And he kept saying, Mom, I want this. Mom, I want that. Mom, I want that. I want that. I want that. And she finally said, You sit quietly until we get finished shopping, and I will get you. And she named what she was going to get him. And when we got to the checkout, I happened to still be behind them, and so I pulled up there. And there by the checkout stand, they have all those little lust counters, <laughs> all those things that you don't know you can live without but you didn't know you needed them until you saw them and she reached down and gets that boy a bag of M&M's oh yeah I thought well at least the kids got good taste <laughs> she gets him a bag of M&M's but he had to wait he had to wait that's the way it is with God's promises sometimes we have to wait but we don't have to wait and worry we can wait and rest because God always keeps his word. So here we are. Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. I've been on that mountain. Lots of folks have been to Israel, have been on that mountain, Mount Moriah. It's the mount where the temple of Israel stood, where now the, the Mosque of Omar and the Al-Aqsa, yeah, Mosque stands, okay, the Temple Mount. And it's on that mountain, on a rock right there on, on the top of that mountain, where Moses, excuse me, where Abraham was told to offer Isaac for a burnt offering. Whoa. 
Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place, saw the place afar off. Now, it's not but about an hour drive from Beersheba up to Jerusalem. But they're walking, so it's about three days. And so they finally got there. And Abram said unto his young men, Now abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and we'll come again to you. We will come again to you. Now, wait a minute. He's going to offer his son. What's he mean? He's going to bring him back. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 explains that. Abraham knew that his son Isaac was the child of the promise. God always keeps it promise. And so he knew if he offered him as a burnt sacrifice, God was going to have to raise him from the dead and restore him to help. Whoa, nothing like putting a little pressure on God, right? No, God's not under pressure to keep his word. He always keeps his word. They start up the mountain and Isaac says to Abraham, his father, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, I see the fire, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. When they got up there, they got to the place where they're going to make the altar, and they take the wood and they lay it out on the altar. And I'm not going to read all the passage to you because I've got to be done here <clears throat> at least by 2, <clears throat> hopefully by 1.30. And uh, but, but he, uh, I, they get up there, and Abraham says to Isaac, okay, now lay down on the altar. And Isaac does not argue. He's a teenage boy. His dad's about 117 years old. Isaac's about 17. And Isaac does not argue. He lays down. And his dad takes a knife, very sharp knife, and is going to cut his throat. One swipe and lay the boy's throat wide open. He'll bleed out in a matter of seconds. And then he'll set the wood on fire and burn his son and then wait to watch God raise him from the dead and God called out to him and said Abraham 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 turns and he says don't touch him I'm providing a sacrifice over there and there was a ram with his horns caught in a thicket and so they get the ram Isaac gets up gets the ram they cut his throat, disembowel him, and put him on the altar. And there they offer the sacrifice to God. That's mercy. It was a test for Abraham. It was even more of a test for Isaac. Right? And God, in his mercy, spared Abraham. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says... It is by his mercies that we are not consumed. It's God's mercy. 
because we all deserve to be dead. We all deserve to die. We've all sinned against God, and God cannot forgive sin. He will not forgive sin. It's impossible for him to forgive sin. Sin must always be judged, and we ought to be the one that get that pays for the sin because we did it. But God, in his mercy, forgives sinners. And Jesus pays for our sin. Wow, that's incredible. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow, that is mercy. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. It means to bring the sacrifice and to stand there as the offering is made. Present your bodies. Bring yourself to God. And stand there while God accepts your sacrifice, your offering. Now, God doesn't ask us to cut our throats and burn ourselves. No, he doesn't. Because he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Interesting thing about a living sacrifice Isaac sacrificed himself. He lay down on the altar, he put himself on the wood. But because God supplied another sacrifice, Isaac got up and helped his dad offer the ram for sacrifice. Living sacrifice has the right to get up. But we ought not. In the Old Testament scriptures, when they would bring their sacrifices to the temple or to the tabernacle, they would take the, the, the animal and they would cut it up they would kill it and then skin it out and disembowel it and then dress it, I think is a proper term for deer hunters. They would dress the animal and then they would cut it into quarters and put the quarters up on the altar over the, over the fire. But often so many people were bringing uh, offerings that they, the, the meat would kind of pile up and they would have to have something to keep it on. Now around the edge of the altar was, uh, were these scallops of brass all the way around to kind of help hold it on. But they also had meat hooks that clamped onto these scallops. You say, what's a meat hook? Well, it's like a great big hook that you drive into meat, okay? The closest thing you've ever seen to it, if you've not been in a packing house, is a, perhaps a hay hook. Hay hook's a little hook. You drive it in the end of the bales, pick it up. And this is back before they had the big round bales. Nobody does that anymore. Okay. <laughs> the 300 pound round bell. <laughs> I say nobody. I don't. But anyhow, uh, this big meat hook, they would drive it into the flesh and then clamp it onto the side of the altar. For a living sacrifice, there ought to be two meat hooks in everybody's life. Two. One is delight, and the other is duty. There are a lot of things that I don't do that perhaps I want to do or would like to do, but because I've offered myself as a living sacrifice to God, I don't do it because I delight in Him. 
And there are some things that I don't want to do that I go ahead and do on a regular basis because I have a duty to him. It's a command. How can I tell God, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and not do what he says? I mean, Jesus is quite clear in Matthew chapter 14 and 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's how we know that we love God, if we are keeping his commandments. And so here's this meat hook of delight that's driven into the flesh. It holds me on the altar, a living sacrifice. And I stand there while the offering is made, communicating to God. That I love him and I want to serve him and I am oh so grateful that Jesus took my place on the cross of Calvary. And I'm oh so grateful that when I came to him and asked Jesus Christ to be my personal savior, he saved me from the penalty of sin and made me a part of the family of God. Sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in me so that I am always in the presence of God. But what we must not forget is that God is always in our presence, too. So there's duty and delight, the two meat hooks that keep the sacrifice on the altar. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Now, wait a minute. My body... How about if I present my reputation to him? Would that be enough? Well, actually, that probably needs to be part of it, but that's not what the scripture says. It says my body. How about if I give him my, uh, well, everything else I've got belongs to him already. My money, it's all his. My house, it's his. My vehicles, they're his. My clothes are his. I mean, the scripture does say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Okay, it's all his. Okay, so everything I got is his. But he says, present your body. You say, okay, Brother Casey. Before you get on smoking or drinking or anything else, take a look at yourself. I have. I was at Walmart the other day. They have self-checkout. And so before I checked out, I walked up to the little lady who's responsible there, and I said, where are the mirrors? And she said, what? What mirrors? I said, how am I supposed to check myself out without a mirror? handsome dog <clears throat> used to emphasize the handsome part that's just the dog part you handsome dog <laughs> but yeah you know my body I have looked at it and you see this suit it used to fit okay I could make it double breasted now you say, Brother Casey, are you going to get a smaller one? Are you kidding? I'm going to lose enough weight that this looks baggy on me. 
And then I'm going to wear it just so you all know that I really did lose weight. Okay? You've heard me tell in the past about losing 100 pounds in one year. 10 pounds 10 times. That's 100, isn't it? <laughs> well, this time I'm going to lose more weight than that. Maybe 100 pounds. Probably not. But, uh, yeah, because my body belongs to God. If I'm going to offer it as a living sacrifice, then I have to offer it to him. Okay. Now that we're done talking about me, let's talk about you. Okay. I don't have to name the sin in your life. The Holy Spirit already told you what it was as soon as I first started talking about it. Are you going to offer yourself as a living sacrifice? Are you going to walk around the altar and say, oh, yeah, God, I love you, but I'm not getting up there. Oh, yeah, God, I'm grateful that you saved me, but no, 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 no. I'll take up your offer of going to heaven, but I'm going to pass on the altar of living right. I'm going to pass on the offer of going to Sunday school. You know, getting up an hour early. Okay. Now, if y'all know me, you know, I, I, I'm usually up by 10 till 6. Why? I wake up at 10 to 6 every morning. I got to go to the bathroom. I just, I, you know, it's terrible. Otherwise, I would be one of those guys that would get up at the crack of noon. Like Angel. <laughs> By the way, I have a picture of Angel that you all would love to see. And I don't know if I have per her permission to show it to you. <laughs> I don't? Okay, never mind that. But... Uh, I can't give it to you because I promise, but I can tell you where I got it. <laughs> oh, okay, good. But uh, anyhow, I, get up an hour early to go to Sunday school. I mean, well, all you do in Sunday school is sit and hear some guy talk about the Bible. In the adult classes, the kids' classes, they get to have fun. In the adult class, we just sit here and I talk and y'all act like you're listening. For the most part, you know. Ben, my grandson, uh, Edna and Laura's little boy. <clears throat> you ask him on Friday or Saturday, are you going to church Sunday? His response is almost always the same. Play with Wyatt and eat crackers. <laughs> yeah, he's going to Sunday. Yeah, he's going to church. He's going to play with Wyatt and eat crackers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, I, hey, whatever makes him love God's house. Yeah. I got about 12 minutes I could go on and on and on and on and on but God already dealt with your heart didn't he Ephesians 5 husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. That's my favorite part of that chapter. Okay. But that is a voluntary submission as the church submits to Christ. And all churches don't submit to Christ. All churches don't submit to the will of God. And I recognize that. And Christ loves us supremely. And so if I'm not loving my wife supremely, I don't have any right to ask her to submit to me. 
I tell you all about going to the flower shop and ordering up flowers? And the girls said, uh, uh, Mr. Casey, uh, what's the occasion? And I said, I'm smarter than you, Day. She said, what? And I said, I'm getting these flowers by my wife because I'm smarter than she is. And they said, it's not her birthday or anniversary? I said, no, no. She said, well, that's not very nice. I said, wait a minute, you know her, right? She said, yeah. I said, look what she fell for and look what I got. I'm obviously smarter than her. Okay? So I bought her flowers to celebrate. In fact, she's some kind of dummy to get stuck with me. I was a charmer back then. But listen, whatever the Holy Spirit deals with your heart about, you have two options. Present your body a living sacrifice or tell God, I don't really love you. I'm just here for the ride. I'm just taking advantage of a free trip to heaven. And I'm pretty brave, but I'm not brave enough to say that to God anymore. We're to offer our bodies as living sacrifice. Why? Because he's so merciful. Because of his mercies. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. So precious. So kind. And your sweet Holy Spirit who takes that word and shines the light of it in the recesses of our heart and shows us those things that we're hanging on to that need to go. Those areas we need to surrender and say yes to Jesus. Now, Father, there's some here this morning perhaps that do not know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. They're not 100% sure that if they died today, they would go straight to heaven. And John said, I wrote this book so that you would believe and you could know that you have eternal life. So, Father, I pray that you would help them to step out and come as we sing the invitation. And let us show them from the word of God how they can know that they're going to heaven, know that their sins are forgiven. Dear Lord, there may be some here this morning that, that do know that they're saved, but they've never been obedient in this matter of baptism. There may be some that have other problem areas like we all do. Father, I ask that you would help them to come and say, yes, I want to yield my body as a living sacrifice, and I'm going to be obedient to Jesus and I'm going to start with this area. We thank you and praise you for your mercy, your loving kindness, your willingness to forgive when we confess sin. And I just ask you to bless this morning in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.